Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast. I'm Conrad Olsen, founder and editor-in-chief of Scandinavian Mind. My guest today is Lotta Kopra, chief commercial officer at Spinova. Spinova is a Finnish innovation company that creates sustainable textile fiber out of wood and waste, using zero hazardous chemicals and 99% less water than cotton. When Lotta joined Spinova in 2019, the company had a tech innovation but no commercial product. Now, Spinova is working with brands such as H&M Group, Bestseller, Marimekko and most recently Adidas. In this conversation, Lotta talks about how imitating spiders spinning their webs was the birth of Spinova, how younger generations are ready to pay more for sustainable fashion, how the Spinova material differs from cotton in price, quality and sustainability, and their goal of producing 1 million tons of textile fiber this decade, meaning 4% of the global cotton production. The Scandinavian Mind podcast is a bi-weekly show about the intersection of lifestyle and technology. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to stay updated on the latest news and learn about upcoming talks and events. Visit scandinavianmind.com newsletter. Here now, my conversation with Lotta Kopra of Spinova. Enjoy. All right, I'm here with Lotta Kopra, Chief Commercial Officer of Spinova. Lotta, thank you for being here. Thank you, Konrad. It's a, it's my pleasure. Now, I've been really looking forward to this conversation at Scandinavian Mind. We're really adamant about covering the uh, intersection of lifestyle and tech. And, I, you know, we see the need in the fashion industry for so much innovation, and uh, not least in the material space. Uh, and uh, you've been on our radar for quite some time. And I think just for the listeners, just start with, with uh, give a little bit of a backstory on the Spinova innovation. What is it that you guys are doing exactly? Yeah. Sure thing. Um, it's firstly, it's great to be here. I'm a listener, and uh, of course, as we know, it's very close to my heart. So it's great to share the story with you and with the listeners. So yeah, uh, what Spinova is about? Uh, Spinova is a material innovation company. Uh, we aim to transform the fashion industry by revolutionizing how produced, how producing and reusing textiles. So uh, we have the, this invention that allows a mechanical processing and, and producing of textile fibers without harmful chemicals. So no harmful chemicals whatsoever, zero. And this is what, what we can do and, and no one else can do. So it's, it's quite revolutionary. And we also use very, very minimum water. And, uh, and thus we, we create a very small CO2 uh, net impact. So tell me how this whole thing started. I mean, you uh, you are not the inventor yourself, but you work with, with the guys who, who 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 did invent this thing. So how did you how did you stumble upon this innovation? Yes, uh, yes, that's uh, quite a fascinating story. In fact, uh, eleven years back, I believe, uh, the co-founder of the company Juha Salamela uh, was visiting uh, a lecture series in Oxford. And they're listening to a lecture about how the spiders are spinning the spider webs. Mm. And what are the similarities of uh, nanocellulose and then spiders spinning the spider web. Uh, and 
that's when he got this idea, this crazy idea that what if one could uh, utilize the, uh, the pulp and paper knowledge, uh, industry knowledge that he had, he was a researcher at the time, uh, with the mechanical process that happens uh, when the spider is spinning the web. And he went back to uh, VTT, uh, one of the um, most famous and, and best uh, research centers in, in Europe, where he was working at the time. And uh, he made a few uh, clumsy trials himself first, and those, those uh, proved to be quite successful already, or sort of good early results. And then slowly uh, he built a small research, uh, research team around this, this idea, and, and they, they started exploring it more. And then uh, five years, four or five years after that, they spinned, spinned off the, the idea and the research out of VTT and also all the IPR and founded the company. Right. And just to give the listeners a little bit of an idea of your role in it, how long have you been at the company? Uh, since 2019. Right, right. So when you came into it, what was your mission and what was your role and what, what, what were your tasks to do? Yeah, well, I am here to um, commercialize this beautiful innovation. So bring it to the marketplace. So mm -hmm. my job this far has been to build the product market fit. So I have built partnerships with brands uh, to make sure that we build the kind of a product that the market needs. And now from now on, uh, we are then uh, getting ready for the next big phase or so the commercial phase of the, the, the company. So we are building a commercial organization and, and so on and so forth. So, so quite, quite different. Mm. Moving from this sort of technological, uh, you know, you know, invention, this, this discovery of sort of mimicking how, how nature actually works, going from there into actual, as you mentioned, product market fit to actually, you know, realizing this, make it a, a, a business that, that sustains itself. Um, I think that's a really interesting transition. Uh, how do you see the market reacting to, to innovations like this? Are they open to it? Are they becoming more open to it? Um, in terms of fashion brands, uh, you know, opening up to these types of, of, of things? Yeah. Uh, firstly, maybe to mention that in this kind of uh, um, material innovation company, we have two quite separate fields. One is hmm. the R&D. So, uh, and and my colleague Juha, and then of course Janne, who is the CEO and co-founder of the company. Juha's organization, R&D organization, they, they built crazy shit. They, they, they see the ocean of opportunities of how to disrupt very many very different uh, product areas and markets. And uh, so they, they built something visionary in long term. And then uh, my commercial organization, we take what's ready today and uh, commercialize that. So right now we focus on replacing cotton. There we have a very good product, a commercially ready product, um, which is the, uh, the technical, um, technical properties of the product are, are similar to cottons. The sustainability properties are very attractive. Then we have the scale, the global scale, and then we have an attractive pricing. So that's ready to be brought uh, to the marketplace. So these two are, are quite uh, separate. Um, then you asked, how is the market to receive this? Um, well, the way we see it at Spinova is that um, 
Well, one thing is, uh, if I now uh, go back, one thing is the consumer market. And uh, there, what we see is that um, this far, uh, the consumer sentiment has been leaning uh, heavily towards sustainability, but there has been let very little uh, purchase behavior or behavioral change towards sustainability this far. So if you look at, uh, this is a market that, that grows and grows very nicely over different cycles of uh, economy, so defensive industry and, and so on and so forth. And the growing middle class uh, is, is driving the growth uh, uh, fast. So as one example, the uh, volume, the number of uh, apparel, uh, firstly, apparel represents 80% of the whole textile market. So we can focus on that today. And uh, the number of apparels uh, uh, sold each year has doubled in, in 10 years time. So, so quite a, quite a big uh, growth. Um, what is good though, so, so then that implies that the consumers, uh, they are not willing to consume less, not today. In fact, they are still willing to consume more. And, uh, and consumers, uh, I'm sure that the consumers are, are taking, taking a, a change there in some, some time. But one thing is that we are seeing a behavioral change in the uh, purchase or pa uh, paying behavior. So uh, it looks like the younger generations are willing to pay more for, for a sustainable choice. So for example, the, um, the generation Z is, I think, three times more willing to pay more for a sustainable alternative than the boomer generation is, as an example. So that seems to be changing now. That's, that's super interesting. Uh, but then, yeah. And then if we uh, move to uh, the brands, the, the B2B market, so the brand owners and the textile uh, industry players, um, there has been, for a long time, there has been a lot of talk about sustainability and even greenwashing. And uh, the way we see it at Spinova is that, that the leading companies uh, are committed uh, to make a change. But just uh, there has been very few tools for them to, to uh, tackle the challenge. So there, is, there are these incremental improvements, and, uh, but, but nothing radical has, has been there. Um, and like you say, Conrad, I think you mentioned in the, in the introduction that uh, about 50% of the whole uh, CO2 impact uh, along the life cycle of the garment all the way to the uh, ready apparel in stores comes from materials. So the brands cannot bypass the, the material choices. Um, so yeah, so we, we do believe that the commitment is there and there is all these initiatives, for example, the UN initiative to, um, to, uh, reduce the greenhouse gas emissions by 30% by 2030. Uh, I think 100 brands have undersigned that. So, so there is action, but, but then again, one, uh, I must say that, that even if we, uh, took all these actions and commitments into account that we have, that we see currently, and we take this uh, trajectory of, of actions, uh, we are still uh, lacking behind the, for example, the Paris Agreement um, target of, of, um, of uh, increasing a maximum of 1.5 uh, Celsius uh, of uh, temperature uh, until 2030. So I think we are, we are lacking behind a big time. I think we are lacking 
uh, 50% uh, of, of sort of um, reduction activities to reach that target. So, so we are still very far. Mm. Well, so the, the issues of sustainability, obviously a complex one. Uh, um, you mentioned that, that the consumers are, are, the way you see it, not willing to consume less. Um, but so how do you define the problem f- for the fashion industry? Is there, is it, is it, you know, obviously material side, I want to get into how you compare with, with cotton, but just before how you as a company define uh, sort of the problem, what does fashion industry have? What kind of problems do they have? Yeah, it's a good one. It's a, it's a complex problem. Um, one is that, um, that right now that we are we are using a, a radical amount of, of uh, non-renewables. So uh, let's not go into that now, but we have a dream at Spinova that there would be a, a world where there would be no more going back to the source. Mm. That we would take uh, a matter or a material and we could reuse that and make a new generation fiber material out of it again and again. But, but uh, I mean, going back to your question, um, um, that's one thing. And then, of course, uh, one is the, the uh, raw material feedstock we use. And then another one is the way of pro- pro- processing. And then there is smaller items such as logistics and, and so on and so forth. Um, but those two are the biggest ones. Well, it and seems like to me, said, it's, the, just the way I see it and the way the, the research I have done is that, you know, we, we are producing too many garments. So even though, you know, th- there is a need for, for the consumer to have these, these types of, of uh, goods and, and buy fashion and so forth, we're still overproducing uh, at, at, you know, staggering rates. Uh, I hear, you know, 30%, even 40% of, of everything produced. What is it? 150 billion garments a year or something like that is not even touching mm-hmm. the consumer. It sits on warehouses and mm-hmm. in storefronts and, and so forth. Um, this is not your end of, of the spectrum, so to speak, but but uh, do you mm-hmm. have a take on that? Mm. Yeah, it's a difficult one. So uh, I think everybody wants to see a behavioral change uh, in the consu- consumer behavior. Uh, I personally think it will take time because uh, different geographies are in different phases and, and so on and so forth. Um, but our manifesto at Spinova is, is really that it is a problem that is created by the industry. So it goes back to industrial revolution and then the uh, phases after that. Uh, and it was, uh, yeah, so, so it's, a, it's a challenge that the industry has created. And we believe that the industry also needs to take responsibility and find find the way out of out of it. Mm. Out of it. Well, if you can create uh, the problem, so you you should be able to solve it, right? Yeah, and and I think there is ways, and all this regulation towards uh, textile waste recycling and, and and so on and so forth, and and uh, single use plastics, uh, they are taking us. Uh, to that direction and, and maybe this transition would happen anyhow but this can uh, accelerate the transition so mm. so um, yeah I think it's coming uh, just very slow you, you mentioned cotton and you know obviously one of the most used uh, materials in the fashion industry uh, there's you know, obviously cotton and polyester uh, your uh, version or your material I'm sorry I forgot the name of it is there a name for your mm. ma- your material let's let's bring that out yeah, uh, there's the, it's Spinova. 
That's Spinova. That's so, just the uh, name of it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So so we use uh, one master brand. Uh, that's the product name Spinova, and also mm. the name of the company. So when you, then, I mean, uh, I'm sure you going, get the question a lot forward. where where uh, people compare it to cotton in terms of both pricing, mm. uh, environmental impact, but also durability. Can you can you break that down for for the listeners in a little bit? What, how does it compare to cotton in, in these uh, three ways? Yeah. Firstly, uh, so I think we all love the the touch and the look and the feel of, of cotton. So it, I think it's a great material, and it's about one fourth even today uh, about all the all the textile materials. So a, a big market, and uh, and it does have these uh, these very big sustainability challenges, uh, even bigger than many might think. So uh, there is the, the drying of the Aral Lake. Uh, many people call it the, the biggest disaster uh, ever created by, by mankind. Uh, there is the pesticides used. Um, so if we consider that the cotton farming uses about 2.5% of the global land area on the globe. Uh, but cotton farming uh, represents about 10% of the pesticides used globally. So it's quite heavy and then it's very water intense. So if we take producing one t-shirt, uh, it requires normally about uh, 2700 liters of water, fresh water. So so very, very heavy. And, and then of course there is the soil degradation and there is habitat loss and so on and so forth. So, so quite heavy challenges. And then there is another topic, which is the uh, scarcity of it. So even if you would put aside all the sustainability challenges, uh, there would not be enough of it. And this goes, uh, this is, there's a very basic reason for this. So the type of land area required for cotton farming uh, is not growing. So, so in fact, it's declining every year. And we still get a little bit more cotton every year, about one to two percent growth uh, in supply of cotton every year, and that's due to the um, uh, even more efficiency uh, in the production. Uh, but that uh, is not expected to, to uh, continue very long. And and here we see a big mismatch. So if the supply of cotton is growing about one to two percent a year, and the demand of cotton is, is growing at least ten uh, percent a year or more. And, and uh, one way of looking at it, and you also have a lot of experience in the fashion industry, if you look at the fashion brands, they are normally guiding a top line growth, uh, 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 sales growth of uh, five to 10%. And many of them are public companies and they make this public. And, uh, and some companies are, I don't want to name any, but, but guiding even, even higher sales growth, like 10 to 15% and so on and so forth. And uh, for them, in order for them to, to make this growth, uh, they cannot bypass or skip the cotton uh, category. That would be impossible. So certain product categories, uh, they need the cotton. They cannot just uh, start making jeans out of polyester, for example. So uh, and, and denim is a good example. It's a massive market. It's, I think, a, a 40 billion market, uh, the denim, denim fabric market in uh, just, just alone. So, uh, so for them, uh, in order to make the growth that the owners and the management expect, um, they need the cottons and uh, the cotton is not there. 
So there alone is, is this big mismatch, and, and there is very few alternatives in the marketplace to, uh, to, to replace cotton in terms of the product properties, like you mentioned. Um, so this is what, what we, we, uh, how we see it at Spinova. So we are not here to um, you know, enter the market and create competition and, and uh, hope to uh, outplay the competition. But we are here really to um, solve these challenges together with the brands. And of course, we hope we can, we can be of help when the industry needs to find new solutions and new innovations anyhow. Hmm. Um, but that as a background, then you asked about the product properties of Spinova fiber. And uh, yes, so one thing is that uh, now, now this year, 2021, uh, we have commercial level uh, product properties uh, in our fibers. And that's a big thing. Uh, uh, it's not yet suitable for all, all product categories, let's say underwear or, you know, but, but a big number of product categories. So firstly, uh, commercial quality, and secondly, uh, very close to cotton. So the technical properties such as uh, strength and flexibility, but then also the properties that, uh, that uh, impact the product decisions. So what materials to match what uh, apparel and, and what application. So for example, breathability or thermal insulation and so on and so forth very close to cotton or, or even better than the properties of cotton. Hmm. So this is, this is quite big. And, and then also you mentioned pricing. One thing is, I think there is four things that matter to the uh, customer. Uh, one is the product properties that you, you mentioned. Another one is the sustainability properties. Uh, ours are very attractive already now. And then of course, when we use uh, uh, a waste uh, feedstock, then then the CO2s and, and the uh, greenhouse gas emission levels go, go even further down. So that's that, and point number two. And then uh, thirdly, the volume. In order for us to be interesting for the brands, we need to have commercial volumes. And uh, just this year, we have taken uh, huge steps uh, in that arena. So now, with our committed partners, with financing, we are saying that uh, we will be producing 1 million tons of textile fiber uh, within this decade. Uh, and, and this is big. It represents about 4% of the global uh, cotton production. So it, it is a, a significant global scale. Wow. Wow. So just, That's number just, three. And yeah, yeah go continue. ahead. And then number four is pricing. And, and we are really, really happy and humble and proud to say that we are competitive with the, with the pricing of, mm. of uh, status quo fibers today. Mm. I'm, I'm curious about, maybe this is a very detailed question, but, but I mean, y y your uh, fiber is made out of both wood and waste. So I'm curious about the dynamics between these two. Can it be produced only by waste or only by wood? Or, or is, the, is it a precondition that uh, you have both these properties together? It's either or. It's either or. Yeah, yeah. So uh, right now our scale-up plan uh, is about uh, the wood-based fiber. Mm. And that is for the simple reason that uh, the scales that I just mentioned, 1 million tons, um, it, uh, it's premature for, uh, for the uh, waste-based fibers. Yeah. So um, if you look at feedstocks such as textile waste, for example, cotton waste, 
or uh, agri waste, for example, uh, wheat straw. We have made a quite big analysis with, with strategy consultants even this year. And it is just so that uh, getting to, let's say, 50,000 ton scales or bigger, bigger than that scales is still a struggle. Uh, and, and there is waste available, but when we talk about collecting it, uh, pre-processing it, uh, doing the logistics and having it available at the um, homogeneous quality, at the commercial pricing, at the certain location, uh, it's not there just yet. No. Uh, so we need to wait for a few years. And, and once it's there, we are, we are ready to go. So the way I see, I see this yeah. issue is a little bit, you know, in my apartment building, there there are bins for, for glass, for paper, for cardboard, but there are still not, uh, you know, bins for polyester and cotton. And, you know, I have a prediction that this, you know, in a few years, this should be the case. Like we, we should be able to recycle mm -hmm. this. But then I understand that there are other um, uh, challenges towards this. You know, garments are not, you know, usually specifically only cotton or only polyester. There are other materials intertwined, intermixed. Mm -hmm. Um, where do you see this challenge? What needs to happen for us to have recycling at scale? Because it seems to me that that should be in place. There's only like, I, I read some number, we're only re recycling about 1% of all textiles. It, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it seems like a massive opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so right you are. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really, really low numbers. Like you say, it's, uh, we are collecting 15% and we are recycling 1% very low um, I lived in, in China for a, a few years uh, myself and they are a lot further in collecting consumer waste and, and uh, um, separating that pre-processing that um, and even they are struggling with textile waste so uh, and it is the issue of, of monomaterialism like you say so that the blends are, are this industry is, is a built on the idea of, of using blends. Uh, and, and that has been the, the strong uh, trend for, for many years now. And then at the same time, it's a, it's, it's a totally wrong direction in, in terms of uh, re recycling. So um, yes, so, so there is a way to go. Um, and, and this again, um, I think the attitudes of, of, of the consumer uh, are starting to be there. But it's now again uh, uh, an industry generated problem that we hope that the industry is, is ready to solve. So how to uh, change the material mix in a way that that is uh, that is uh, suitable for, for and it's the same with plastics, the, mm. the exact same. So so the recycling of plastics is so difficult because of the mix of plastics we use in different products. So, I mean, perhaps it's no surprise that that's been all comes out of the Nordics. We have a big wood, uh, you know, industry. Um, you know, where do you see the? Do we do you need like countries like Finland and Sweden where there where there's large forests to be able to scale this globally, or you know, w where do you see the 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 sourcing is going to go from from the Nordics? Yeah. Um so, so like I said, I think it's an exciting opportunity to start using wood, uh, certified wood. Um, and, uh, and then that's, that's uh, available in scale. We have made this uh, feedstock analysis and, and uh, that's, that's there. 
And that's a far more sustainable uh, way of, of producing textile fibers than, for example, uh, plastics or fossil fuel based uh, or than, uh, or than uh, cottons. And then there is the whole, whole question of, of uh, uh, waste. So, for example, textile waste. And the way I see it developing now um, is that maybe first uh, the industry players form these closed consortiums where there can be, for example, a brand, a big brand collecting textile waste, then a technology like Spinova, uh, and then a user. And it can be the same party than, than, than the brand uh, textile waste owner. Uh, and in this kind of a closed consortiums, we have a preset uh, feedstock uh, quality uh, and the supply chain for that and pricing uh, cost, cost level for that and all of that defined. And then again, we have preset uh, um, fiber um, requirements. So, so in this way, we can make it uh, efficient. Um, and, and that's how I see that the industry develop first. At least I hope so. You've you made some uh, collaborations with fashion brands. Uh, and, you know, I think m m the most notable one is Marimekko, fellow, fellow Finnish uh, 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 company. Uh, you know, tell me about that experience. Uh, are there any learnings working with the designers, with, with the fashion brands directly? Um, any, any, any stories there? Yeah. I think it's remarkable how how committed some of the leading brands are in sustainability, and then through that also uh, in us. So so it really is, uh, or we as Spinova, we believe in in product development that is uh, driven by by a customer, um, and uh, and it really is really beneficial collaboration on a grassroots level. So it is uh, the brand's technical team working together with our technical team. And we do fiber level or fabric level iterations bi-weekly or so. So uh, and and we benefit so much of the brand's uh, very heavy um, testing facilities and their knowledge and, and so on and so forth. So they know what kind of material they need uh, need for the products and, and rest is up to us. Are we able to develop that? So, so, um, yeah. When when uh, we emailed uh, prior to to this interview, uh, I, I noticed that you are using the term deep tech. Uh, so I'm curious about how you identify as a company. Are you a materials company or are you a, a technology company? Exactly. Uh, it's it's definitely a deep tech. So it's it's the kind of deep tech that is a, a true sort of 10x deep tech. Um, uh, somebody could even say, call it a sustain tech. That's a new new term that I see somewhere to be. I used. love that sustain tech. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, why I joined this company uh, is that uh, firstly, of course, the global sustainability challenge is something that is very close to my heart. But then secondly. Um, I have worked with uh, business models and go-to-market models all my life. And what I saw then in Spinova and what I today see in Spinova is the kind of potential that you very rarely see. So there is this truly disruptive technology with a potential to, to scale fast and profitable. 
Hmm. And that's in the heart of, of our innovation. So, so it's not only a, a premium product uh, that is more sustainable, but there is a um, there is a true innovation. Somebody somebody has called it the 10x innovation, or you have many terms for these things that enables uh, both better product uh, at the lower unit cost. So, so that's why we believe, and, and that's why so many people around us uh, believe in, uh, in, in the fact that uh, Spinova can disrupt this, this industry. Hmm. Well, like with many tech companies, it's, it's usually not a, a, you know, a, a binary thing. It's not just a tech company or just, just one thing. And you actually do have factories as well. Uh, mm. So talk to me about that setup. What, what does a, the, the Spinova you know, uh, company setup look like? You're not just programmers in a, in a room somewhere. You actually are working heavily on, on the material side. Yeah, absolutely. So then what it comes to our business model. Uh, and that might evolve over time. But right now we have uh, agreed that we will pro- be producing materials. We with our, uh, our uh, partners. So right now we, are, we have two joint ventures and we can develop materials based on one raw material within the joint ventures. Mm. And then later on we can uh, license the technology if, if, if that is to come and, or, or so. so but, but right now we are a material company. Um, so yes, since two years, uh, we have now had this industrial pilot running uh, in Uvaskula, Finland. And uh, there we have now made this great leap into a commercial quality fiber. And now uh, we have a plan of our first uh, commercial uh, plant uh, that is uh, already now in progress. And I think they are building the walls or something uh, also in Uvaskula. And that will open uh, next year. So end of next year, that will be uh, up and running. And then after that, it's then that the bigger, bigger scales all the way to 1 million within the decade. Mm. And that's within this one joint venture and partnership. So, so everything is agreed. The, uh, the, uh, the financing is agreed and, and the global, global technology partner is, is Valmet and, and so on and so forth. I really, it's nice to hear, and it seems like the dawn of some, like a new industrial age in, in the Nordics. I'm, I'm curious, just as a reflection, I'm sure there are uh, plenty of reasons why this innovation is coming out of uh, Finland uh, or the Nordics. Is mm. there a specific value set, you think, or specific preconditions that make us more fit to develop these types of, uh, of innovations and these types of companies, just as a reflection? Yes, value fit, definitely. Uh, and then also a, a high uh, technological uh, knowledge and sort of high ambition. So, uh, so the kind of, um, kind of real innovation that Janne Poranen and, and Juha Salmela have made, uh, you see very rarely. So taking knowing one industry very well, pulp and paper in this, this uh, uh, matter, and the rheology, so the science of flows within that. Uh, and then having a crazy question on uh, outside the sector, like how can we can we apply this and make a textile fiber without or, or with skipping all the uh, harmful chemicals and, and dissolving and, and all these things that the industry is used to seeing and using. 
And this kind of a very radical question uh, is something that you very rarely see, firstly. Uh, that might be a mindset thing. And then uh, following that uh, with great ambition through, through difficult times uh, for 10 years plus and then making a breakthrough. It's, it's, uh, it's quite fascinating. Well, we're uh, certainly super proud to have Spinova coming from the Nordics. Uh, you know, we're, we're Scandinavian mind. We, we cover the Nordics and we, we uh, root for, for any new innovation that, that's coming. Uh, there are talks about an IPO. I'm curious, what are the next steps for, for the uh, Spinova company uh, in the weeks and months ahead? What can you say? We're, we're in uh, just early June now, June 1st. Mm, yeah, June 1st. Uh, yes, so for, for some time now we have uh, been planning for, uh, for the next uh, round of financing for the company, for the commercial phase. And now, uh, just recently, last week, we, uh, we launched an intention to uh, float. So we intend to do an IPO and there is no timeline in place just yet. Hmm. All right. So for any any brand or anyone working in the industry that wants to know more about Spinova, I want to get in touch with you guys. How how would they go about doing that? What's the best way to to learn about Spinova and get in touch? Yes, please do. Um, Spinova.com is the best place. So there we have uh, our newsletter, for example, and then of course social channels. So so every every social channel, Spinova, uh, Spinova Fiber, something like this. Lotta Kopra, Chief Commercial Officer of Spinova, uh, talking to me from Helsinki, uh, Finland. Thank you so much for speaking to me and sharing your, your journey uh, and good luck. Konrad, it was my pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to the Scandinavian Mind podcast with me, Konrad Olsen. This show was edited by Erik Sedin. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your preferred podcast app like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. To get the latest news, insights and invites to upcoming events, sign up to our newsletter. Just go to scandinavianmind.com to become part of our movement.